Kevin, hi. Kevin, hi. Will you introduce the episode, the number and the topic, please? And Welcome the URL. to the rumdoings.com episode, uh, 203.com. Incorrect, 204. 204, I just typed that number in, I forgot to God, You can't, you so can't bad. even This is why it. this is your job. <laughs> John, John, you, John, 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 you, John, you had one job. Uh, Rumdoings Facebook <laughs> You're so rubbish. Yeah, on the Facebook. <laughs> could, could, could you kill yourself now, please, with a okay. little knife? Go on I'm going to use the inside of a sellotape roll. Uh, you probably can't even do that properly. Oh, I've accidentally made a bird's nest. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, what's the topic then? At least see we can get that right. <laughs> or can we? Mm-hmm. The topic today is, isn't it about time we gave homeopathy a chance? Oh, yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. Just think with the NHS being so mean. How's Lucy? Uh, I haven't heard about her for a while. Well, we've talked about how Toby's tamed her. There's not really anything else to say. I didn't know that he had taken to her. I thought he just ignored her. No, oh, you could be ignoring everything I've been saying then. The regular Duh. listener will know. Really? That uh, he's obsessed with her. You're married, you say? <laughs> I'm so scared. <laughs> right. <laughs> What is this? Um, is this the Rock Paper Shotgun radio? The program? Rock Paper Shotgun Electronic Wireless Show. I remember the that. We- I used to quite like it, except the, for the games the, bits. It's weekly. The weekly. What do you mean? You used to quite like it. <laughs> Goes out weekly. It does. Yeah. Very, very weekly. Very weekly indeed. Like what? Like a neutrino. You you broadcast it via neutrino beam. That's why nobody can ever receive it. Um, what do you? Th- I think neutrinos are quite wasteful. There's so many I, of them, but they don't do anything. I want mm-hmm. what I want is someone okay uh, to create a podcast series uh-huh. that just explains physics to quantum physics in order in a way that by the end of it I'll have understood it. So when I read stories about neutrinos and quantum this and all this stuff on the BBC News, written by people who clearly don't understand it either. Mm-hmm. I'll have any idea what's going on. I don't understand any of it, and I can't learn because everything either assumes all knowledge or no knowledge. And I want something that just gradually eases me in. I don't think it's that difficult, though, is it? I think they've overstated. Yes, yes it is. It's very difficult. No, I don't think it is. I think what's difficult is doing is very precisely modelling it. In other words, to learn the mathematical uh, uh, strictures required to model it precisely is very difficult. But the principles behind it, I don't think, are that difficult, actually. And I think that's the problem. And I think the unknowns, I think there's just such a lot that is actually unknown that um, what you think is difficult is just that nobody knows to a large degree. So the what, what you find difficulty with is probably not the results of the experiments, but the fact that the interpretations are not God-ordained. I mean, the, the, uh, the Copenhagen interpretation versus the multi-world interpretation nobody knows so you you won't have anybody we've telling you what the interpretation we've, is we've previously solved that one well yes but we said that nonsense it is nonsense because uh you know dr ockham wouldn't allow such a profligate exactly. idiocy as to create a new world every time you sneeze that's ridiculous stop it now exactly everyone grow up that's nonsense obviously. grow up exactly no i don't, i i think that what you probably would have to really learn is the mathematics, because that's effectively the programming language of physics that you want to know. And maths is tough. 
I mean, I've just had just get. I, I've had Judy while we're walking. She's trying there. She's at the while we're walking to school today. She's had to learn to count in twos and fives and tens and something. So okay. it goes. So I go. You know, I just couldn't get her to understand that. Just she, she's fine. Two, four, six, eight. That's fine. Ten, twelve, etc. Mm-hmm. But then I said, okay, and then it's thirty, thirty-two, and she goes, hmm. Well, what's the next one? I don't know. I said, okay, what if we say Jessica? Let's just put any, let's put any word between, uh, in front of two. So Jessica two, Jessica four, Jessica six, Jessica eight. She's fine with that. I said, and she wanted to do banana two, banana four, banana six, banana eight because of minions, because that's really funny. That I said, okay, funny. now instead of banana, let's say 70. 72? Huh? <laughs> I said, okay, well, so let's, let's count to 100, <laughs> so 5, 10, 15, 20, etc. And so 75, 80, 85, 90, 95, 50. 50? Hmm. Maybe that's why physics is all going wrong, because they don't understand that 50 comes after 95. <laughs> As if we just learned that. So there is, I, I hear that a, a, a huge problem with doing arithmetic in English is um, the way that we name numbers is not helpful. Uh, uh, in that a lot of other languages, and apparently uh, Chinese, and I believe Japanese does this similarly, is a lot of other languages name the numbers for where they are in the number line, and that's it. So when you say the numbers, you're literally saying what they are. So, for example, 100 would be something like saying 10-10. Or, or if you say, instead yeah, of saying 12, it'll be 12 is 10-2. Uh, and twenty, twenty, or 10, 10, 10 is a hundred, and ten, ten is so. So there's no okay. Well, there's twelve, thirteen, fourteen, but it's twenty two, twenty three, twenty four, and then when you get to twenty nine, it's not twenty ten, it's thirty. And apparently, other languages deal with that in a much more modular, coherent way. And apparently, that helps substantially with maths. Apart from France, where they're completely well, yes, bonkers. obviously France can't do maths. Well, that's, that's a similar principle. That's why they were blown up last being... week. Uh, that's right. Ninety-nine, I believe, is ten, fifteen, seventy-three minus four plus eight divided by seven um, times pi to the square root of Euler. Yes, that's right. What's Euler? Euler is constant. I don't know that one. What is it? I don't know the actual number. Let me let me <laughs> find out. I don't know. No, I don't know. What, I don't know. <laughs> Euler's constant. And yeah, I, I didn't bluff, but I didn't know the actual number. It's zero point five seven seven two one five six 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 four nine. What is it constantly doing? Um, it's it's. I know that it's used in number theory, but I can't remember what it's used for. Uh, I, Some, I, I one of our one of our users can tell us. Let's look it up on the um. The Wikai Pili. Eel, it's quite complicated. Oh yes, there are lots of there are lots of scary symbols. I give up. <laughs> yeah, but you, what you've got to understand about Wikipedia, Nick, is it's just written by a bunch of people, and anyone can change anything they want. And it's yeah, exactly just, yeah. That's what I heard. Oh, apparently you listened to. <laughs> I heard some of it. And uh, do you know, here's the thing. Yes. One bit of it was quite good. Mm-hmm. Oh, Scared. hold on just a second. Euler's constant is as n goes into infinity of one plus a half plus a third plus a quarter plus a fifth. Plus ah. m- carry on that till infinity and that's Euler's constant, which is apparently not point five seven seven seven. Useful. 
Yeah. So, yes, there was a bit of the Now Show that wasn't terrible. It, it was uh, unscripted, which helped. Um, and they were interviewing one of those, one of the two, I can't remember their names. There's two stand-up doctors. Punt and Dennis. No, there's stand-up doctor people. There's two of them who have only ever existed since I was born. And one of them is on. Dr. Ben were, Goldacre. And they were asking this doctor about. Dr. Graham Garden. They were asking this doctor about the situation with junior doctors and why they were going on strike. And it wasn't her. <laughs> it was genuine questions trying to understand the story. And the guy answering the questions was naturally quite funny. And it was good. Mm-hmm. Then it was over. And then, it was, and then, <laughs> and then it, they went to a song. <laughs> Mitch Ben? It wasn't Mitch Ben. Mitch Ben was away and had been replaced by um, a sixth form common room, as far as I can tell. <laughs> it was literally the common room with the asbestos and everything, just singing. It was. Singing, singing a, asbestos. Girly voice, a yeah. girly voice singing about how uh, Jeremy Corbyn's great and how, it, he's, how he's just miss how everyone needs to stop being so mean and recognise that he's actually a good guy. Satire. It was so embarrassing. It was so it was so full on um, angry sixteen year old with a guitar. It was the worst. I assume I, it you was. Should get hold of it because it was spectacular. Was it a lady? It was a lady. Yes. So it's just part of the quota system then. So they didn't really vet her or anything before she came <laughs> on. They just checked. So open your legs. Good. Off you go. Start singing. From between her legs. Yes, obviously. Goodness gracious. That's, that's, but didn't you know that's a new BBC edict and of course it's caused a lot of p- problems with trans people because they said well hold on we we don't necessarily have the ability to sing with not, our labias yet not all trans women can queef exactly yes. and uh, and and certainly don't yet have the skill to mold the queef into a tune exactly so um i i think we need to protest the BBC and the now show so the now show. Were, did the audience or the other presenters at least have the decency to be very mild with their embarrassed applause? I can't remember, although there is. That does remind me, there's another programme with Philomena Kunk on it. I beg your pardon, don't be so you, rude. You know Philomena Kunk from off of uh, Newswipe, Screenwipe, a- absolutely, Weekly Wipe, whatever a- it's called? Absolutely not. No, I stopped watching that sort of nonsense 25 years ago. Well, you're ridiculous. You should watch Weekly Wipe because it's great. Rubbish. It's not. It's really good. It's Charlie Brooker. It's very funny. And on Charlie it, Brooker's finished. He's not because he's still good at that. And on it is a, a character called Philomena Kunk. And I don't yes. know the name of the lady what plays her, but she's mm. absolutely brilliant. The character is, is fantastically funny. Let me find out. I'm going to find out who plays Philomena okay. Philomena Kunk. Uh, the lady who plays Philomena Kunk is Diane Morgan. Well, there you uh, go. And she studied at East 15 Acting School. Did you know that? I didn't, but I do know and that she was she's a stand-up comedian. And she and she won the the. the she came as a runner-up in the 26, 2006 Funny Women Awards for Funny Women's. <laughs> that's so. That's so. Don't worry. We've put all the. We've made all the funny men stand outside, so you can have a go. <laughs> the Funny Women Awards. I would be greatly insulted if I won <laughs> or, or came the runner-up to the Funny. The, 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 Pat your head on the lady you can tell jokes to awards. That's very embarrassing. I hope so, she yes. I hope she gave as good she she also can be seen in Sky Comedy's drama Mount Pleasant. Can she now? <laughs> yes, apparently. She she's also on Radio 4 Extra occasionally, but she was there was a soap sitcom sitcom on the six thirty slot on Radio 4. 
I don't know what it was called. I never Cabin deli- Pressure. I never deliberately listened to it. I assume and- it starred it starred Benedict Cumberbatch, like Cumberbatch. <laughs> it did not. No. And she was on it, and it was quite the most astonishingly terrible thing I've ever heard. And what? Oh, so come on, come on! You're talking no, about Radio was, Four. Radio was, Four sitcoms. That's a big claim. I know. I'm really claiming it. We should get hold of it and listen to an episode. Together Rudy's sometime. Rude Records. It's even Claire worse of the community. Than, it's worse than both of those. I swear to you. Hmm. It was so so atrocious. Uh, Laura kept hearing it as well and being deeply offended that it existed and being really upset that it was the lady who makes her laugh as Philomena Kunk was involved in this. And um, what's it? And what was it about? What was its I premise? Couldn't, I couldn't. It was so banal. I couldn't tell you. But I just remember it was the laziest, nastiest, cheapest jokes at every opportunity. I don't mean cheap and rude. That yeah. would be good. Just. Yeah. What just no effort rubbish, and apparently Laura was listening to. She caught an episode of um, oh, what's right to reply radio for this is a testbed production feedback. Feedback. This is a testbed production. Um, and she she caught an episode of that, and it was person <coughs> after person writing in and phoning in to furiously complain about how abysmal it was. So well, it wasn't that they were one offended. Person who went, I think it's really funny. So they weren't that they were offended by it. They no. just thought, take your stupid. telephone away. I know, I, I heard it start buzzing, so I'm trying to tell it to stop. Stop right buzzing, phone. Shall I? Yes. You sure? Okay. There you go. <laughs> That's better. Good. Um, I'm going to find out the name of this programme so the listener can hear it. Okay. Uh, can you I remember any good. jokes from it at all? Because no, you I haven't really, really described really what was so offensive about it. You just said it was bad, but you haven't I know, given... I'm not doing a good job here, am I? What pre- just give me a, a taste of the. Uh, give me some of its ethos. Just I can't. Even... I just remember it's it's gone from my brain. Mercifully, you can do something. Can't Why? you help? Why isn't there any information on the Radio Four website about what she's on? Maybe they're embarrassed. She <laughs> should be. Do you search hear... name. It has no results. Oh, it only searches program title names. BBC are not good at search. Their no. news search is one of the worst things of, on earth. It's yeah. worse than, say, pancreatic cancer. Or ISIS. Yeah. Yeah. So did you... Notice we haven't talked about uh, France. Well, I know though. we will. I'm just putting yeah. it off as long as possible. Let's put it off. Let's put it off. Instead of talking about France, can you um, tell me what happened on you and yours the other day? Because you, t- you, you were telling me something about it. With, and Winnie was... Oh, they were pretending Christmas, that Father, Father Christmas... Christmas. Yes, a part, as part of you and yours, the consumer program, it was as if Father Christmas actually existed and they treated that as a serious proposition or something. Well, bizarrely, we'd just been talking about this very subject to each other in the, yeah. the moments beforehand. Yes. Um, we were discussing the how odd it is that parents feel that children can't cope with the concept that Father Christmas is pretend. Yes, and, 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 and this is something we've discussed before on the podcast, but it was what's, what's interesting is that it's not so much that whether we should or shouldn't tell children, but that parents really think that the child won't cope, whereas because yes. children are happy with that. Well, children live with the uh, constant, um, uh, I can't think of the word, but the... the Ambiguity, the Im- problematization. Yes, so the, um, exactly. The, they're toys. They're cuddly toys who, to whom they talk, that to, with, without whom they scream and cry and can't go to sleep. But if mm. you say to them, is it alive? They'll say, no, it's no. a toy. Yes. And they're absolutely happy to, to, to balance that incongruity in their head. Yes. Um, absolutely no reason at all. Dissonance is the right word. Absolutely yeah. no reason at all why they couldn't cope with Father Christmas as being something that you pretend to believe in in order to get presents. Not only no reason at all, but actually that would be their natural mode of, yeah. of understanding. Yeah. 
So anyway, we were chatting about this, and then I went downstairs to do the washing up, and as is my want, listen to Philly on Radio Four in order that I can get cross about it and come back upstairs and tell you why I was cross. Winnie, you mean? That's what I said. You said Philly. Did I? Yes. Philomena. Oh, I'm conf- how strange. <laughs> yes, Winnie. My my old mate Winnie. Do you know that what young that young Philly called Winnie? <laughs> I feel like a Roger. A, a, oh, I'm, I can't speak. I'm a not, Rogers and Hammerstein musical. That's not what I wanted to say. I wanted yeah. to say the other ones, and yeah. I for- I've forgotten all words and names <laughs> and nouns. She's going, <laughs> Gilbert and Sullivan! Yeah. Woohoo, I win! You do win. Sounded like a Gilbert and Sullivan song. Anyway, yeah. Peter Blind was on on Monday. I thought he was didn't do from, um, from doing... <laughs> That's it, I'm done. Bye! <laughs> Hello, I'm Peter Blind, and I'm reading because I can't see very well. Give me all your money and your attention. There you go. <laughs> he does do... <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, being blind means... <laughs> Not being able to do any exercise. <laughs> there you go. We hate You're the blind horrible. so much. We do hate the blind, don't Especially we? Especially the fat blind. They're so sneaky. I hate them. Kill them all. Anyway, you were saying Philomena, what's her name on Winnie? <laughs> right, <the poop. laughs> Winnie. Well, there was, wasn't even Winnie after all this, but she was presenting. She handed over. She, she said, now we've got a report coming. We're going to speak to a report. We're going to have sent out reporter such and such to go and meet the elves at the Royal Mail. <laughs> <laughs> and uh this so they went to the royal mail sorting office where apparently if you write a, a letter to father christmas say dear father put on the envelope father christmas reindeer north land what do no you say reindeer north land, apparently you're supposed to put and okay. you stick a stamp on it and put it in a post box it will get to this particular sorting office um and all variants thereof will eventually reach them including and the north pole I assume so. And if they uh, arrive before December 6th or something like that, you get a reply from Santa. I was not aware of this. I didn't know this. Seems quite a nice thing. They're still doing it post-privatisation. And so they wanted to do a report on what happens to kids' letters when they get there. That sounds like a vaguely consumerism interesting story. But no, rather than just saying what happens when kids, you know, here's the people who deal with all these letters... They decided that. Here they... are the, I'll, I'll be quite curious to know. Well, okay, is there a computer program that just spits out the same response, or do you actually have people doing? Are they categorizing the responses, or are they actually having somebody you know, literally copying and pasting and writing back to each one? And also, what we what would be quite nice to know is the degrees to which they've lessened or increased over the years. Because I wonder whether people are more likely to send an email. So yeah, there are plenty of things to discuss. So, of course, they couldn't answer any of those questions because they would have all had to acknowledge that Father Christmas wasn't replying. Uh-huh. So instead, they just this reporter just went around and met people who they professed to be elves, right. um, saying, well, yes, my, I've been doing this for 25 years. What I do is I go through... And it turns out they, they open these letters. It's the only letters the Royal Mail is allowed to open. Okay. Um, and they open these letters and then they read them and then they reply. And they also put together a list of the most popular requests, to, to mm-hmm. things that kids want the most. Um, and uh, yeah, but the entire way through, everyone had to pretend that Father Christmas was real, that they're all working for Father Christmas, that they were all actual elves. And then when the, this tedious rubbish finally came to an end, they came back to the studio and, uh, and Winnie said, um, now you might be wondering whether we'd be allowed to take, we were allowed to take photographs of reindeer land and put them, to put them on our website, but we were, but very strangely, none of the elves appeared in the photographs must be magic. <laughs> Now, uh, have you ever been murdered and raped by a postman? Or whatever. Um, it was... Patronising. Oh, my goodness. Just what? Like, but 
here's the thing you could then have how often do they at the you know this program's on from 12:15 to 1 yes how often in that 12 to 12:15 slot do they have mm. programs for, based on philosophy in which philosophers are discussing the you know the post enlightenment philosophy you know just talking about just nonchalantly discussing that since people stop believing in god and blah 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 mm. That's fine at 12.15, but at uh, 12.15 we have to pretend that Father Christmas is real. Yes, of course. That's it's far, so, far, it's far more of a taboo. It's such an odd thing. Yes, it's much really more... strange. Tell your story about that, go on. Well, a relative has a son at school. And of course, the... Uh, I won't say who it is in case... No, no. Listen, but the son... Uh, and of course, the son was going... And, and fairly religious, uh, even though it's a normal state school, I think some of the people who are running it now are quite Christian. And also the community there is quite Christian. So there's a lot of praying that goes on. And I think he he was... You know, quite a young boy was making a bit of a fuss about it and saying, well, no, I don't believe in this, etc. And they kind of, I think, just treat him as a bit eccentric. Fine. Um but then when he dared to call into question the existence of Father Christmas, that's when the mother was called in for a serious <laughs> talk. How this was disruptive and dangerous behaviour and so on. We're worried your son isn't delusional. Yes, indeed. But then again, um, uh, my brother says it's nonsense. He says you should just pretend that Father Christmas isn't real and no, there's no harm to it, etc. Well, there's certainly no harm to it, but it just seems I just don't embrace the idea of lying to my kid. No, he says that's very po-faced. I don't think it is. I, don't, I think if the kid knows, you, like, if you're making stuff up to be silly and make them laugh and just give silly answers, that's one thing. But if you say to them, yes, Father Christmas is real, he is doing this, well then, they have good reason to question everything else when they reco- when they eventually. But also, to, I think I think it's you're a, lying. It's a very unnecessary hostage to fortune because yeah. right back to the beginning of what we said, actually, kids would kind of prefer it if it's just treated like every single other imaginative game you have with them. Yeah, it's yeah, that's all. Stop this nonsense now. Can we have a campaign to just des- let's have a campaign to destroy Father Christmas? <laughs> Here's a thing that kids don't believe in. What? Uh, these fairy characters that don't bring them presents. There are none of those that they believe in. No. Death Fairy brings you money, and the Easter Bunny brings you chocolate, and Father Christmas brings you presents. Well, there's a good reason to believe in all of those, isn't there? Yes, there's very good reason. There's no I think a lot of, a bele- lot of time benevolent, uh, non-giving fairies. The irony is, of course, that a lot of time it's the child that's patronising the, oh, yes. the, the parents' uh, sentimental delusion. And that's what's funny. Oh, let's not tell mummy and daddy that we don't believe in it because it'll make them so disappointed. <laughs> I, I must, if we've talked about this before, I must have said this before, but I'll say it again anyway. Uh, 204 episodes. Who the hell can remember? Mm. Um, uh, the, the night that I uh, was woken up by my mum coming into the room to put the presents, to put, yeah. put the stocking in my yes. room. And she looked at me and the real looked in my eyes my little childlike eyes and said to me uh-huh. those wonderful christmasy words if, if you, you tell, tell your, sister, your sister i'll, I'll kill, kill you, you. you do you like the fact that we i i, I said this off the punchline with you yeah i did i did enjoy that <laughs> yeah it, it should be a, a kind of ritual that you act out every uh hey, every christmas you should tell that to toby even if he doesn't have a sister <laughs> i'll wake him up and tell him Yes, if you tell your sister, I'll kill you. <laughs> What's a sister? <laughs> this is so scary now. <laughs> yes. Toby can wave bye-bye now, and also he knows what his, where his head is. Oh, why don't you ask him to um, explain physics to you then? I should, shouldn't I? 
Mm. You say, Toby, where's your head? And he puts his hand on his head and looks so pleased. <sighs> Such yeah, a but, clever baby. Yeah, but on the other hand, he does soil himself and cry half the night. Yes, but that's just a walker tradition. <laughs> tree tradition, maybe. <laughs> really, you can't speak anymore. I think maybe you're I was giving trying all to your say wo- trait, and then I went for tradition and blah. You're blah, giving blah. all your words to Toby, and as he yes. gains more of them, you just lose them one at a time. <laughs> He's going to say, as, as his speech develops, I'm just going to go. Yes, indeed. This will be like a little Stephen King short story. Why were you so determined uh, to believe that there that London won't be nuked in the next ten to twenty years? Because nuclear weapons are really hard to get hold of. Even if if, if North Korea and Iran can't get one, I very much doubt that a, a ragtag group of of, uh, of desert dwelling terrorists can get one. You used to just call them raghead tag. I said ragtag, but yes, I can see why someone might assume I meant something worse there. But no, I was I was merely being jovial. Get out and slit your throat. That I, if I I believe I called them towelheads actually. Yeah. Which is weirdly, it's weirdly... It's a really rubbish insult, it is isn't it? Yeah, well, I wrapped a towel around my head. It kind of does look like a towel. Which one you say, yeah, it sort of does look like that. Yeah. <laughs> Such mm. a, there are people who actually say that without thinking of it. Yeah, a yeah. bunch of towelheads. Really? Uh, <laughs> is that the best? Is, is that the best? I, I could do better if I were trying to be offensive. Mm, they, put, they put something that looks quite like a towel, a towel on the head. around the head. Mm. Yeah. Well, take that. That'll destroy your culture. Yeah. It's my new favourite term. I'm going to start calling everyone a towelhead. Yeah, everybody. Well, everybody's put a towel on their exactly. head at some stage and therefore is a towelhead. Next time Laura um, comes out the shower, that's what I'm calling her. Yes, towelhead. Yeah. Um, any, any who, the, the, <laughs> the, Soviet, the Soviet Union um, developed, uh, was it 10, 10 to 20 uh, suitcase nukes? And I believe six or seven of them are missing. Well, I'm sure they were just in lost property somewhere. So why, if they turn up in... You didn't throw your telephone across the room one bit. In some, I did. It's just very powerful. And actually, no, that was your <laughs> telephone. It I was heard not that. my telephone. My telephone doesn't do that. That was your telephone. It was not. It was, because I heard it, this and I is didn't good. hear the last one. This is good radio. Anyway, so... Anyway, um, missing new case. Break, 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 break. News, Toby. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm not going to take lessons from Mr. Toby about whether London will be nuked or not. <sighs> How many half-ass La- fights can a human do in a row? I think London will be nuked within the next 10 to 20 years. <laughs> do you think London's yes. going to be nuked in 20 years? Yes. By, <laughs> by, by, by 2035, London yeah. will have been nuked. You've just added 10 years onto your prediction, Nixtradamus. Yeah, I'm giving myself extra time. I mean, because uh, it's less like, yeah, I'll, I'll give myself a couple of 20 years is, is here's to Nick, actually say it's going to be nuked. So fine, here's, my impression, here's my impression of you doing a prediction. I did this on Twitter, but I'm doing it anyway. Um, I'm getting a, an M or an N. Is there any N countries that are going to get blown up in 5, 10, 50, 1,000 years? No, but here's, here's, here's why it doesn't work like that, because I'm just adding up variables that I already do have data for. And yeah. trying to work out a property. The day you understand that's what mediums are doing too, right? They use the information. Yeah, they, they are, have. and that's and and that's why yeah. cold reading sometimes works. So yeah, <laughs> no, you, you've you've kind of defeated your point. Yes, You're that's cold why reading I, the planet. Yeah, I'm I'm doing a warm read, which uh-huh. means that actually I have a possibility of getting it right. That you're kind of making my point for me. And here's the warm read: we have an organisation that's developing 
that is getting the revenues and structure of a nation state called ISIL, ISIS or Daesh, whatever you want to call it. Uh, they are developing into effectively a super or supra state. Um, this super or supra state is based on a Manichaean doomsday scenario. They wish to hasten the end of the world. That's part of their liturgy. If you actually read it and read their aims, that's what they want to happen. They want to get to the state. I think there's supposed to be 5,000 Muslims left who then bring the last imam who then um, uh, brings... And you know, actually, what was interesting, I hadn't realized, who, who comes back from the dead that finally trounces all the infidels? It's not, it's not Muhammad. Do you know who it is? I assume it's Jeezy Creasy. Jesus. Yeah. He has the last laugh. Well done. Um, so anyway, that is the staunch belief. Now, obviously, some of them will just want Mercedeses and so forth, but sufficient of them won't. And we're talking about a creed that will eventually have hundreds of millions of people uh, working for it to a lesser or greater degree. Let's even say that it's only one million. It just takes one or two of them to get one of these suitcase nukes and to detonate it to bring about that which they claim they want to bring about. Um, the odds are perhaps not profoundly in my favour, but you can't say they're negligible. Here's the thing. There's a difference between there is a probability that a nuke could be dropped on London in the next 20 years and it will. You see, you can't say 100% and then go, no, well, I can't oh, say, but there is a 20% no, chance. I can, no, I can't say 100%, 100% I can't say there's a 100% chance you... that the sun will rise tomorrow, but I'm still prepared to say the sun's going to rise tomorrow. Yes, but it's a, it's a very close to 100% chance the sun's going to rise tomorrow. It's very close to a 0% chance the nuke's going to get dropped on London in the next 20 years. It's not close to 0%, that's where you're wrong. It is, right. it is close to 0%. Why? Because, as I've Wait, said, what's it's your very data? hard to get hold of these, and what's then you've got to have someone who's willing to do it, and then you've got to be able to get past intelligence to be able to do it. What's your data for saying it's 0? I didn't say it's 0, I said it's close to 0. I don't think it's as difficult as you're imagining. I do. If North Korea and Iran can't do it, I would be very impressed if a disorganised group can do it. All you need to do is you need to get a lump of the right sort of uranium, big enough, smashed into each other. That's it. That's that's a nuclear weapon. Yeah, that explains why I really struggled with it. No, it's because it's, it's very tough to actually manufacture that material, thank heavens. But... If you've already got a lump of that material that's been manufactured and there are tons of this stuff available across the world in hopefully secure places, but there is plenty of it that's not accounted for. I'm just going to check eBay. You just, well, you just luck upon a lump of material that's about the size of a football and you've got a a nuclear weapon. Now, there are many football sized lumps of this stuff. Well, not not actually football size, but kept sufficiently separate so that because if they were football size, it would be critical. Um, that are unaccounted for. It just takes one of those to become accounted for in the wrong person's suitcase, and you've got a nuclear weapon. It's not like saying you need to build a channel tunnel. It's saying you need to get a lump of metal, and you need to bang it into another lump of metal. Getting the lump of metal is difficult, but. Those lumps of metal have already been refined and created for you if you find them in the right place. And there's a lot of it that's unaccounted for. So I think you're working with variables that sound more wishful than accurate. 
And I think you're sounding exactly like the people who scared the willies out of me when I was a kid in the 80s saying the exact same thing. Except no, saying in the 80s, it, no, in the 80s, we, well, there were very many close shaves in the 80s. And if it had gone very slightly differently, they would have been quite right to do so. There were many close shaves. There were many um, false, um, false positives that would have almost that almost launched a counter response and so on. And the only thing we scraped by just by having just enough rational actors who were scared of mutually assured destruction. Um, when the actual ambition is mutually assured in destruction, you can't rely on that. I agree with that part. I've looked for uranium on eBay, but you can only get weird glowing green glass. Hmm. So I think that's going to do it. I'm going to look for a nuclear bomb now. Oh, but hold on, you have to go on the darknet, eBay. <laughs> I found a nuclear bomb on eBay. It's £124.31. Dude. Okay. Yellow Sun British Strategic Nuclear Bomb would model replica. Damn. Uh, maybe it's uh, saying model replica in quotes. I'm just bringing up somebody emailed Grief, it's us. It's enormous and terrifying. How the hell would you have that delivered to your house? Well, exactly. <laughs> it's really realistic looking and it's enormous. It's on like a, a flat bed thing. Oh, what? Oh my goodness. Can you imagine? Well, I mean, how much is it? It sounds quite... £125 or $190. Even though it's a replica, I think that if you got that order sent to your house, you'd be put on a little list. I'd hope so. Uh, Shall we talk about Stephen Chicken's email? Yes, of course we do. We've got two emails to do, haven't we? Okay, I shall read out Stephen Chicken's email. And funnily enough, I think Stephen Chicken expected that I would just join in the rah-rah, you are right. I don't think he was actually right. I think he was quite counterproductive, and I'll explain why. Um, Stephen Chicken, subject, what a lovely lady. And of course, Stephen Chicken has a good name, so that always yes. buys you a certain amount of uh, kudos. He's our, he's our listener, Stephen yeah. Chicken. I just had an argument with three women on the train after they proffered several Daily Mail-acquired opinions. I snapped when they got to, they reckon within X number of years that this country won't be British at all. To which I piped up with, that's total bull nonsense. Because BS. I am, yeah, because I am subtle and able with my political discourse. They told me that we shouldn't let any more immigrants in because you can't tell if they're going to blow us up or not. And that our attitude to foreign aid ought to be to look after our own, and that they know someone, quote, with the same attitudes as you, and nobody can put up with him. Which was a real blow. <laughs> Culminating in one of their coven, sexist, calling me, quote, <laughs> Hang on, just, Crow- Crowley had covens, it's not sexist. Just another tree hugger. Because I'm a master rhetorician, I called her just another fledging racist xenophobe, a horrible, horrible woman sexist a small-minded woman sexist Sexist. with no humanity or compassion women can't be human and said that i hope neither you nor your loved ones ever need to seek treatment from an immigrant nurse or doctor and in his mind the nurse was a lady and the doctor was a man (laughs) i'm clearly sure she will now have changed her mind because of me male and my incontrovertible (laughs) mansplained arguments I have to get the train with these women every day. What would you do, have done, in my situation? Over to you first, Jonathan Elias. Well, I certainly wouldn't have sworn at them. 
No. Because I just... They're, they're horrible people. Clearly they're horrible people, but they're also stupid people. And so if you go in <clears> all <throat> swears blazing... They're going to just you're just reinforcing their correctness to themselves. Exactly. So what 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 actually Stephen Chicken was doing is he was um he was enjoying his own uh outburst. That's yeah, all he that's was doing. Fine. And that's Which okay. is fine. But don't but I don't want him to at all think that he was achieving anything useful for the universe beyond his own enjoyment. And if, if that and if and if he agrees to that, fine. That's your own catharsis or whatever. But don't think you were achieving anything useful in any utilitarian sense whatsoever. You were, you were, you were doing quite the opposite. You were reinforcing exactly that which you despised in them. So well done. But I kind of like that they that that lady had those things said to her though. No, it didn't work. No, I know it didn't uh, work, but I kind of just enjoy that it happened. No, I, I don't. I, I think it was a missed opportunity. Well, I, I agree with that entirely. I think he could have asked them questions. Exactly, he would have said. I mean, I, I would have found it easier to to have done it, perhaps, because I could have played my own card and said, I, you know, I migrated to this country, so what do you actually mean by immigrants? Do you mean, do you mean, you mean Muslims, actually, don't you? And, and then she would have had to have agreed to her. So do you mean, do you mean Afro-Caribbean people? Do you mean Muslims? What what do you mean? Let's be at least more precise with, with, with the fear. Don't, you know, and then I would have said, okay, well... What specifically are we talking about then? Are we talking about Muslims who are fleeing extremism? Because surely those would be the people you'd welcome because they would agree with you. They yes. don't want those people. So then I would say, actually, there is. And then I would have actually come to some sort of accommodation. I would have said, you know what? There is an actual problem. There are a lot of people who've been exploiting, uh, as has been proven by France, uh, the, the ease with which one can get a Syrian or forge a Syrian passport and have been... Uh, exploiting that to, as they did, come into France and blow themselves up. So I would have actually conceded. I would have said, yes, there is a problem there. Uh, let's. How do we deal with that now? Do you want to um, punish all the children who are fleeing the very thing that you hate as much as they do? And if so, admit it. Say, yes, I want those children to die. I want it to come out of your mouth, though, lady. I want you to say, yes, I want those children to die because it's too much bother to figure out who are the goodies and baddies here. Fine. Mm-hmm. And we could have gone into, and I think I think we would have gotten something useful out of that uh, train discussion. Uh, and uh, I wouldn't have necessarily been called just another tree hugger because I would have conceded. I am not going to pretend like Stephen Chicken that every that, <laughs> poor, that everybody. Poor Stephen Chicken, our most our most faithful single yeah. listener. I wouldn't. I'm not going to pretend that uh, any uh, anybody with any ideology who comes to this country is 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 equally welcome no actually if you're a nazi or you're an islamist frankly i'm not i'm not going to welcome your diversity i want you to go away I, i'm not interested in in having you here yeah uh, you can go back to nazi land or islamist land i don't care uh so i'm prepared to say that so no i'm not going to stephen chicken was a bit kumbaya or or every every or all comers welcome well no not really I'm not, i disagree with that I can't believe uh, you're such a racist. Exactly. So, no, Stephen Chicken, you were wrong, and you need to go back to where you came from, Chickenland, the Chicken Cottage. Wow. wow. We have another letter. We had two emails this week. From from Ben. A world record from Ben. It says, Dear Bumpooings, of which I approve. <laughs> it's good. It, it, I know you're being mean, but it's good. I like it. It's what Laura exclusively calls us. It's what we've all called it. It's fine. Yeah. Long-term say. listener from Germany here. You've got to read it in the comic accent, please. That doesn't work. 
So I goose step around the room as I do it. Yes. I'm not. I can't do a good German accent, so I shan't. I also say aus Deutschland here. <laughs> you should read it in German. Go on, translate it. No, that would be unfair and racist, and I'd probably get the idiom wrong, so I won't. Anyway, long term listener from, from Germany, Germany here. here. I always enjoy you two arguing passionately about current events. So here we go. One of the most influential scholars of Islam here in Germany, and award winner of the Peace Prize of German Booksellers Association, uh, Nav- uh, sorry, Navid Kamani. Uh, my yeah. eyesight is getting really bad. I'm and your ability man. with language as you... Well, yeah, well, that's die. established too, but I'm having to lean yeah. in to read uh, words oh I'm not gosh. familiar with. Gosh. Recently called for a military intervention against ISIS. An English translation of his passionate speech can be found on blah. What are your opinions on possible interventions against ISIS? Now, the reason I read this out is because I know you have an interesting response, Nicholas. Yes. Go on. Well, it's not, it's not interesting. I think it's just uh, inevitable. I... And we've said it again on the well before any of these particular outrages happened. We are going to have to intervene. We, no, uh, look, who who sorry, doesn't think? Sorry, I'll stop interrupting. Who doesn't think we're going to intervene at some stage against ISIS? That uh, the Green Party said that the thing they fear the most is peace talks. Yeah, well, that's right. <laughs> so okay. scared. Oh no, don't talk quietly in the distance while we keep okay. blowing you up. Oh, what are we ever do? Okay, so so let's ignore that reductio ad absurdum. Um, there will be some sort of forceful intervention against ISIS that goes beyond what is or isn't happening at the moment. Uh, can we a- agree that whether it happens now or in five years' time, if it doesn't, if it doesn't explode itself, uh, yes. yes. Um, now that that's the only ambiguity, uh, and whether the explosion itself will cause more damage than if there's a surgical intervention. Um, what I think we need to intervene, and we need to intervene intelligently and quickly, but brutally. And there are a number of things we can do specifically in that regard. They have control of a number of Iraqi oil fields, and they are selling the oil on the black market to fund themselves, and they're getting millions from this. So we strategically target those people and their transport lines so that they can't do that. What we need to do is we need to cut off their pipelines, uh, literal and figurative. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also, uh, I think we need to um, make sure that any camp that's identified is simply bombed to smithereens. Because as more and more people from the United Kingdom or France or Belgium think that they're going out for a nice adventure and then come back a few months later when their blood sated. Uh, I think there needs to be more and more of those who realise, where their relatives realise they're not coming back. They're going and they are they are dying, and that needs to happen. And that will then cut off that pipeline. So it's all about cutting off pipelines. So I think it needs to be quite brutal, but quite targetedly brutal. In other words, you go from the United Kingdom to join ISIS, ISIL, Daesh, whatever you want to call it, in Syria, in Iraq. Uh, and you can pretty much guarantee that within a month or two, you'll be a squashed pancake. And then you're making a decision. You think, OK, I don't really mind being a squashed pancake. Um, but if that becomes pretty inevitable, then I think a lot of people who are, thank heavens, actually quite cowardly when push comes to shove, won't bother anymore so i would i would intervene i would intervene now 
I would intervene intelligently and I would target the very things that are going to hurt them the most and those are the things that are allowing them to fund themselves. What would you do if you were told by a, a magic fairy mm-hmm. that you could use no military intervention? What would your alternative approach be? Um, I can use no military intervention at yeah. all. Yes. Well, um, I mean, is if there I a could... hearts and minds solution, is there a no. stock solution? Is no. There, is it just redundant? If I if if I had if I could use no military intervention at all, mm-hmm. then I would have to start being. I would actually have to start being draconian about policing my own populace to a degree in a funny way. I'd have to then really, you know, th- th- I would have to be very strict about border control. I'd have to be very strict about monitoring um, hate preachers and reacting very strongly uh, and prosecuting them as soon as they step out of line. And I'd have to be uh, massively increase the intelligence operation in my own country in a way that kind of goes against my own instincts. But I would have to do that because effectively I'd be saying there's this huge uh, and increasingly successful cesspit. And if you're saying that effectively we're, 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 we're closing ranks, we're kind of circling the wagons at that point. And I would just say, batten down the hatches and hope that it burns itself out and we need to protect ourselves from any of the ashes that fall as it burns out, I think. But it would be very difficult to know what the result would be because you wouldn't necessarily be protecting yourself because there would be intervention because as has been proven in France, they will come to you eventually, won't they? It doesn't seem that way. I I really struggle because it's such a different situation to Iraq or Syria. It's very different, exactly. Um, And And we were honest, with Syria, we didn't know how one should react. No, indeed. And in Iraq, whatever the right answer was, what happened created, well, a lot of this problem. Um, So I'm not quite the warmonger you are. But I'm also not an, a, a crazy stop the war moron. Mm. Um, so I really struggle with this stuff. I don't know. I, I just my answer is I just don't know. I don't know the answer because going around killing people doesn't really seem a, a honest. I don't know. It just seems a yeah. They're going to go around killing people unless we go around killing people. It doesn't well, really it, seem it, like there's a some success. A, a, some success. Well, it is. Uh, it is because basically we are. We, the only thing we have in our favor is that we will, in a kind of self-defense sense, we will kill them before they get the chance to do that which they've proclaimed very loudly they wish to do. Um, so if they go to a camp where they're slicing people's throats off and making mass graves of city women, you just say, sorry, if you go there, this is what's going to happen to you. So it's not, it, I, I don't have a particular moral problem with it for this, for this simple reason. Um, if I've got a, I'm on the London Underground, I've got a tube line, and I say, if you jump on that live rail, you'll probably die, and you decide, it still sounds like fun, I'm going to jump on that live rail, fine. If I say, you participate in ISIS's operations, you'll probably die, you then work very hard to fly through to Turkey, and then from Turkey through to Syria and participate, 
when you probably do die, you've jumped on that live rail. I have no problem. And I don't have an issue with that. Of course, the, the, I don't have a problem with, with, it's, it's a combat situation. I don't have a problem with, 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 with bombing every single participant in ISIS. Of course, the real problem is the civilian, the well, inevitable that's my, civilian that's issues. My, that's my next thing. So in Iraq, something like half a million civilians have been No, killed. it wasn't. No, that, that was nonsense. That's nonsense. It is? Yes. Yeah, so there was a lot of tendentious double counting and all sorts of things. It's close to that number actually in Syria. I think it's 300,000 or something like that. Something, well, certainly were displaced, injured or, or, right. or killed. Okay, but, but yeah, no, the, the Iraq number was nonsense. Okay, but it's still, okay, if, if that number's, I don't what an accurate number You just is. say a sizable number of right. civilians. So yeah. at what point does the number of innocent civilians outnumber the number of people ISIS were killing in the first place? Do you see, do you see what I mean? When, does it, when do we start to become the terrorists as a response to their terrorism? When does their sin become our sin? Do remember that even, even tendentious counters have to admit that most of the people, the great number of people who were killed in Iraq were not killed by coalition bombs. They were killed by, uh, by, by, uh, intra-Iraqi fighting mm. and explosions. The, the, it, it wasn't that whole cities were being bombed incorrectly by, uh, by the Americans or by the French or by whoever. Um, it was that, uh, the internecine battles and the suicide bombs and the uh, IUD devices and all that kind of thing were, were were killing these people. Let's let's put the blame where the blame is. Um, these were people who were taking the, the opportunity to kill other people. So the argument of that might have been, and I'm not saying it, it necessarily is a correct argument. The, you can certainly put the argument that the coalition wasn't initially brutal enough such that it allowed too many bad actors to be able to have their way and kill too many people. And this is all gets to the um, should we have dropped the, uh, the the bomb on Hiroshima argument? Uh, mm. Were more people saved or weren't they? And of course, these historians continue to argue to this day yeah. the, the 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 truth or falsehood of that, um, because by forcing an immediate and uh, brutal capitulation, did we save? hundreds of thousands of, of, of lives that would have otherwise been killed by our attrition. Um, s- credible historians say, yes, we probably did, but some would say it was still too much of a singular moral enormity to make that worth the while in a funny way. It's funny, if, if you could go back in time and you were absolutely certain that more people would have died in Japan in the Second World War if the nuclear weapon had not been dropped over the next two years afterwards say would you have still nevertheless voted against dropping the nuclear weapon i don't know so you can say you can nuke hiroshima Mm -hmm. and x will die or you can leave hiroshima alone and over the next two years x times 1.8 will die it's a really hard. It's a really hard Which one because it's interesting. I think there's a there's another side to it that in dropping that bomb, America shocked itself out of the war as well. Yeah, it was like th- that. That they as a nation weren't prepared to carry on fighting after they'd realised what they'd done. Uh, I mean, uh, uh, people who argue for Hiroshima, I I can buy that argument and I can work with it, and it's horrible. But the grim utilitarianism comes into play. But Nagasaki. Nagasaki is where yeah. the argument begins to fall apart, and it does look like just a big demo. Yeah. 
and you're saying we're going to demo it on the yellow people because they mean less. Did you hear the story about the man who got caught by both bombs? Yes, that was on uh, this American, this American life. Yes, yes, it was amazing. Does anybody still listen to that? Yes, don't know. Apparently, there was somebody who missed both of the Malaysian Airlines flights as well. Oh, really? Wow. Oh, Seth MacFarlane. That... Yes, you are boring me. Seth MacFarlane missed the nine eleven flight. Did he? He was late. Yes, he was habitually late for the airport. Apparently, it's a bad <laughs> habit of his, and he missed one of the one of the flights. So his bad habit saved his life. It didn't. Can you imagine? Like next time, someone's like Seth. If you don't hurry up, you're going to be late for your plane. Uh, yes, yeah, and <laughs> that's incredible. Yeah, it's extraordinary. Imagine the fierce feeling when you were like, "Oh man, I missed my oh, yeah, flight. Exactly, it's, the worst, yeah. it's the worst thing ever. I'm such an idiot." Bizarre. I could have been on that plane. <laughs> now I imagine he has his own private jet. So, yeah, one of the highest paid men in Hollywood. Yes, uh, uh, is Family Guy still on? Still, it's still on. It's still very good. Is it? I've oh, the most recent. The most recent episode had mm-hmm. um, the. It was a. Now it's time for the Cosby Show in light of what we now know. Oh really? And it yeah, was that's the open, that, oh. opening title sequence. You know where Cosby? They're all dancing. Da, 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 exactly. Da, da, da. But instead, it's just Cosby dancing and all the female characters slumped in chairs. <laughs> it's absolutely incredible. It was, I was like, my jaw literally dropped <laughs> when I saw it. I, I, it literally dropped. And then at the end of it, Peter Griffin says, um, he says, I was so, we were so busy not seeing colour that we didn't see rape. That's, that's, that's very well put, actually. <laughs> Um, also, uh, I hear that South Park's on a bit of a high. As oh well, my too. goodness! This series—they've just stepped it up. It's—it's it's become. Um, it's got con- continuity for the first time. Uh, yes. So Kenny's not dying anymore. It hasn't Kenny hasn't really died for for a decade? But um, people can't. People don't can't die anymore. They'll, they, if they died, they'd be stay dead. I can, uh, they stay dead. So the principal's been ousted, replaced by Principal PC, um, and uh, he is uh, a. Dude, bro, who is determined to ensure that no one is ever offended by anything. Um, of course. And the uh, the town has South Park is now this. It's gone from this small town to being this big, lively place because they got their first Whole Foods. <laughs> um, and so, and they they they, they opened up. Um, oh, I forget what the name of the the new region was. And then uh, the, it's a region. It's a region. It's your region. And then a rival area was opened up called Shipa Town, um, and. And that's and so this is too rival, and it's just amazing. New people have moved in, all these luxury shops, and everything's changing. And every and if you ever say anything that offends anyone else, uh, you get attacked by police forces and so on. Um, the kids all decided to become ninjas in the most recent episode, uh, mm-hmm. and everyone was terrified of them. They thought it was brilliant, and it eventually becomes apparent that everyone thinks they're ISIS. And then <laughs> they start getting instructions from a head ninja somewhere in another country. Who's <laughs> Um, oh, good. But it's just, and, and every episode, the, when the principal is talking to the school, there's this little girl. He s- suddenly stops his calm, je- gentle talking and shrieks horrifically at this young girl for talking to her friend. Um, <laughs> and it's been building up over the episode, the end of the most recent episode. Um, it turns out that she might be involved with some secret government <laughs> conspiracy. It's all, it's all building up to something huge. They did an excellent episode on safe spaces. I saw um, them, which was, and what I quite liked about it is it was, of course, multi-layered. Exactly, as they they're not are. going, safe spacing is bad, they're saying, yeah. everyone's an idiot. 
everyone's an idiot, which has always been the point of South Park, which well, people have missed. The, what, I've, what I think they've changed quite significantly, this series, is they've gone from we're going to offend everyone to we're going to trick everyone into thinking they're the one being offended. Yes, I think it's a subtle switch and it's very clever. So there, yes, I get, I've got some furious people shouting at me on Twitter for saying I was enjoying it saying, Oh, is it still hating trans people? It's like, no, it's, it's not hating trans people. It's taking the piss out of trans people and it's taking the piss out of people who are offended or upset or against or offensive or abusive toward trans people. And it's taking the piss out of everyone in between too. So it's, it's ubiquitously taking the piss as usual, but at the same time, actually making some really quite pro trans positions. And and yes, exactly. That's what people what people really stupid people don't realize that it's actually quite a profoundly liberal program well, really yeah but it's also surprisingly conservative too in weird ways it's, of course that's the thing and that's what i love about south park is you can't you cannot pin it down and you cannot say you know apart from when they just they just said straight to camera so i remember there's an episode where they just they had a, a man in a panda suit turn to camera and explain to america that you need to stop suing schools and hospitals because you're suing yourself Yes. Um, and that was good and they also were unambiguous against scientology but yes that, that's of about, course that's about it really otherwise everything yes. else is up for grabs yes okay shall we say goodbye to everybody yes to every single person one by one to in other words to Stephen chicken yes, and good, to ben <laughs> goodbye Stephen chicken and ben bye goodbye Stephen chicken and ben Stephen chicken you're a hideous sexist monstrous but, why what woman man woman hating man woman hating man yeah like, except for mrs chicken you like mrs chicken i oh, probably maybe he doesn't yeah. Ah. On that cliffhammer. Hammer. Oh, cliff I'm hammer. also turning yeah. into a bloody toad. Ah, da! And then, da! Hello.